What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's having a good day. Um, all of our coaches, a special shout-out to Coach Bartell. Uh, just had his AFCA uh, clinic talk. Uh, we heard that it was uh, one of the best ones at the entire clinic, so we want to give a, a big shout-out to Coach Bartell, one of our really good friends. Uh, for all you coaches that are at AFCA, we hope you guys get uh, something huge out of it. Um, hopefully we can have a good uh, podcast episode for you guys on the plane ride home, uh, have some more football to listen to, because uh, I'm sure you guys aren't burnt out of it uh, just after a couple of days. So um, hopefully you guys enjoy that. All the other coaches like us that didn't get to go, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast episode as well and everything that we're bringing you. Just put up a new episode uh, on special teams, on hands team by Coach Flynn. It is up on RTP Premium. You guys can check out all the stuff we're doing at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you guys write your own programs or have a full-time strength coach or you need a training program, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program as well as a speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to successfully run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter the code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Artie Allen. Coach Allen is the OC and quarterbacks coach at Chafee College in Rancho Cucamonga, California, uh, just like my guys workaholics. Listen as we talk with Coach Allen about his excellent football journey and how he has developed one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country. You can follow Coach Allen on Twitter at CoachAllen5. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I'm Coach Artie Allen. Uh, I work here at Chafee College down in uh, Southern California, Ranch Cucamonga area to be specific. And uh, I grew up not far from, from where I'm at. I grew up in San Bernardino, uh, kind of, you know, Rialto uh, area a little bit, and, and uh, which is pretty much the Inland Empire. We're probably about an hour east uh, of L.A. Um, and, you know, I, I really didn't have a whole lot of football background in my family. Um, I kind of, uh, you know, just a kid that loved playing sports. And, and uh, my first football game, official football game, was in 10th grade. So I didn't play any, any uh, youth ball at all and uh, didn't play my freshman year, primarily because, uh, to be honest, my mom wouldn't allow it, you know. And, and so, um, <laughs> it was, you know, my dad wasn't around. And so it was one of those things where uh, once I got to high school, you know, I kind of, you know, fell in love with it. and. Uh, you know, right away, uh, I knew that I was putting the basketball down, and and uh, you know, I, my uncle told me, "Hey, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be very tall." So um, your dad is five ten, and so um, at some point, you're you're uh, you're gonna have to make a decision. And and uh, football, football was it for me. So I played at Rialto High School uh, my sophomore and junior year, and then uh, transferred over to Bloomington uh, High School. And uh, there, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Don Markham. Um, who, you know, was, they call him the inventor of the double wing, uh, you know, rest in peace, Don Markham. And, 
and I didn't play for him, but I played for someone that was, you know, kind of his understudy. And, uh, you know, we threw the ball about two times a game and, and uh, <laughs> you know, ran, ran for a ton of yards and, and uh, were able to win uh, a CIF championship there my senior year. Uh, and from there, uh, went on to Chafee College, where I coach at now, and uh, played receiver there for two years, returned kicks. Uh, from there, got a scholarship to New Mexico Highlands Division Two in, in Las Vegas, New Mexico. A lot of people don't know there's a Las Vegas, New Mexico. No, I, I, it, I did not know that. It, Harper, it looks nothing like Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Good thing I'm not coaching there now uh, because that, that, would, that wouldn't have helped us at all recruiting right there. But, but, but yeah, no, um, I, I went there and played, played two years there where I met uh, one of the guys that really influenced me a lot, uh, John Fossil, um, who's a who's, uh, special teams coordinator with the Rams now. Uh, you know, he was my head coach there and also my position coach. And uh, I learned a lot from that man. I learned a lot about uh, how to work. You know, I learned a lot about character and, you know, doing things the right way. And, you know, he, he, he'd lead out front in our conditioning drills and things like that. And, and you know, he was just a, a man that you, you would admire. You know, and, and so uh, he helped me out a lot. From there, um, I stopped playing, came back home for a little bit. I had not finished my degree at that point. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got into the working world a little bit. I, I uh, started getting into some real estate, uh, which was you know more like property management, where, you know, I was kind of trying to get people to rent out places that owners uh, would, you know, kind of hire us to help people get them into their place. And, and so did that for a little while and realized, Hey man, I, I do not love this. I want to, I want to get back to doing something that I really love. And, and that's where um, I decided to go back to school. Um, during that time, I was also starting my coaching career. So around 2008, I started my coaching career at Carter high school in Rialto uh, there for Alex Pierce, um, who's currently at Los Osos. And he gave me my first opportunity and uh, learn a lot from him, you know, just getting my feet wet in, in, in coaching, you know, as, as a whole. And so um, spent two years there. Uh, we were able to, you know, do some good things. They were two and eight the year before. We were able to go to the playoffs. And the first year uh, we got there, went five and five. And then the next year we had an even better year. I think we went about seven and three or so and, and uh, able to, you know, go into the playoffs and, and get into the second round and things like that. And, and uh, I had reached a point where I was done with everything that I needed to do academically uh, at, at the uh, two-year level. And so I decided I wanted to go back to, to finish my degree at Highlands. And so this is where it gets interesting. I, I, uh, I had one contact there, and it was a, it was a guy that was kind of a, a GA there who I knew, um, and I was just – blowing up the head coach like crazy, just trying to, trying to get him to give me an opportunity to just come and work for free, you know, and, and uh, never really heard a whole lot back from him for a while. And, you know, I say about six months go by and, you know, I'm getting close to, you know, the summer and I just decided, you know, what, I'm just going to go, you know? And so uh, I knew what I needed to do. I took care of everything I needed to do academically to get back in school, um, you know, figured out a place to stay out there. Uh, because again, I, I, I used to, I used to, I used to uh, play there. So, you know, it wasn't something that um, was difficult for me to try to find a place. 
And so I got out there and I just showed up and, and uh, I was like, Hey, I know you don't have a receiver coach. Um, and, uh, I work for free. I'm here. I'm going to finish school. And so, uh, he, he allowed me to come on and, uh, there I met, I met some good people. Um, I met, uh, coach Ed Riffalato, um, who's formerly the head coach at Highlands and Fort Lewis. And he's been at Idaho and Louisville and, you know, a couple other places. And, um, he was a man that, that really taught me how to work in regards to uh, being a coach. You know, he, he'd show up early, um, organization, um, being able to, to write your thoughts down in, in notes and things like that. I mean, those are things that I kind of I gathered from him. I met um, a couple of other guys, and all these guys are pretty much defensive guys. Uh, Joe Morris, who's the defensive coordinator at West Texas A&M now. Uh, Thomas Rocco was the head coach at Tyler and all these guys were on defense and I, I just kind of gravitated towards them and the way they worked and, and uh, how, how they took their job seriously. And, 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 uh, and so th those guys are still friends now and I still talk with those guys uh, often. And so that definitely helped my development. And the crazy thing is I went in there as uh, a volunteer and halfway through the season, I'm calling the offense. So, I mean, that was, that was a pretty, pretty crazy time. Our, our head coach ended up stepping down. Um, and, and that led to, uh, you know, eventually me ended up calling the offense for half the year. And I knew wow. nothing about what I was doing. <laughs> my first game was against CSU Pueblo, who, if you know anything about Division II football, those guys are, are legit. I tell everybody to this day that that day was a blur. You know, I, I don't even remember. I mean, we got our, 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 our butts handed to us pretty well. Um, Coach, I, I, I had that same thing happen. I remember the is my second year coaching. And, I mean, it was in high school. But, you know, week four, like, all right, you're calling it. Like, what? And it was, yeah. it's the same kind of deal. I mean, you know, you had a, a game plan. But literally, just like you said, it was, it was a blur. I mean, I, it was crazy. It's the most yards we ever passed for. We, we threw for over 500 yards in a game, you know, because that was all yeah. I knew at the time. And then, of course, we lost. <laughs> so I mean it was it was like you said I mean talk about just confused don't know what I'm doing just kind of getting lucky I, it was kind of how I felt yeah and, and I didn't I didn't have that that success that you had I mean it, it was it, it wasn't <laughs> very good, good players you know? and yeah you got to have players and and uh and so you know that transition happened and and uh, our head coach was gone he brought in a, a new head coach and and uh, I wanted to stay on because I, I wanted to start my master's program. I was able to finish 24 units that same year, that same semester. Um, wow. That, that I, you know, did all that. I was there because I knew the head coach at some point he was going to be gone. It, it, it wasn't going very well his previous years. And I knew <laughs> that, you know, hey, if I get this done, and they eventually helped me out and, and paid for some classes and things. And so. That's still um, that's unbelievable, though. Twenty. I mean, that's that's yeah. an unbelievable uh, load. Just let alone if that's all you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. But um, I knew I didn't really have much of a choice, you know. So um, I got that done. Um, new staff came in in the spring, and uh, of course, you know, he brought in his guys, you know, and and uh, I was demoted uh, to a defensive GA. Um, which, which was good for me. You know, I was able to be humbled, you know, and understand that, Hey, I'm, I'm not a very good coach right now and, and I need to, uh, become a better coach. And so, um, I met, you know, some other people that really helped me out, 
Um, Kenny Jackson it was a receiver coach there. Um, and, you know, I kind of gravitated towards him. He, he was the new receiver coach and I was a defensive GA and we spent a lot of time together and talked a lot of ball and things like that. And, and uh, so that, that entire spring ball, I, I was on defense and, and uh, you know, what, what really helped me out was uh, just his understanding of details, you know, and, and he did a very good job of, of helping me organize, uh, you know, my, my, my drills, organize my um, understanding of the position and create a language, um, you know, that, that, that my players understood and things like that. And he connected me with, with NFA. And, mm -hmm. and so uh, you guys are probably pretty familiar with National Football Academies and Dub yep. Maddox and JC Boyce and all those guys. And, and so, um, you know, I, I was able to, to be connected with them. And prior to that, DJ McCarthy was someone that I always studied. I went and listened to him at Glaciers and things like that and, you know, watched his videos and things. And he was, uh, at that time, uh, a part of NFA and kind of transitioning out. Uh, back to uh, college coaching. And so um, just those guys just really helping me, uh, you know, really expedited some things for me in regards to coaching receivers. Um, and, and so you know, after that spring, I started applying for jobs and uh, I was able to get uh, an opportunity at Arizona Western, which is a JUCO. Well, they were, you know, they're, they're no longer um, running a football program. Uh, but Tom Minnick gave me an opportunity to come in there and, and, and coach, coach the receivers. And, and uh, I was able to meet him and Mike Orthman, who's the, they're all now at Garden City. Um, and, and those guys really, really uh, helped me, especially Orthman. Orthman was uh, extremely detailed in regards to offense. And I learned a lot, you know, about the run game, you know, with him and, and, uh, and, and things like that. So that was a good, that was a good opportunity for me. We were able to, uh, go undefeated during the regular season. And uh, we ended up playing against East Mississippi uh, in 2011 for, for uh, the NJCAA, you know, championship. And we lost that. Um, but, you know, that was, that was a really good, good time for me. Uh, after that, uh, you know, I, kind of, I wasn't getting paid very much and kind of getting older. And, you know, my degree was finished. My master's program had started already at that point. And so, you know, I was like, Hey man, I need to, try to see if I can make some money somehow. And, and uh, Coach Pierce back at Carter again, where I started, uh, hit me up and said, hey, man, I can get you on campus here as a sub, you know, every day and, and uh, you'll come back and coach with me. And so I went back, came back home, and uh, I was able to coach quarterbacks and be the passing game coordinator and run special teams. Um, and we, we had a good year that year, able to, go undefeated during the regular season and, and uh, got to the semifinals and lost in the semifinals. Um, so that was, that was another good experience for me. Um, and I know I'm rambling here, guys, so feel free to stop me. or Love it. Love it. Um, so from there, um, Coach Hathaway, who's the current head coach at Chafee, um, got his first opportunity at Chafee. He was there since 96. And, uh, he, he helped recruit me uh, out of Bloomington to Chafee. And I've always stayed in touch with them throughout the years. And I was at Highlands, I'd go down and, and try to, you know, get some of his players and, and we'd always sit and talk. And, and you know, he was, you know, probably one of the ones that 
that told me, hey, you need to, you need to get your master's, you know, and, and, and uh, it'll just allow you, you know, create more opportunities for you. And so um, I did that. And, and so the timing when I finished my master's and when he got the job was, was pretty close. And so um, I came in and, and I was a receiver coach in 2013, uh, also special teams coordinator his first year. And we were, we were able to, you know, turn a program, another program around from, they were two and eight the previous year. And then we went nine and two uh, that first year. We, we won nine in a row. We, we lost the first one and lost the last one. So um, we were able to go uh, nine in a row and win our conference. And, and then we lost our bowl game there to L.A. Pierce that year. Um, but, you know, I, I was able to meet some other people that, you know, really kind of influenced me a little bit. Kiyoshi Harris, obviously Coach Hadaway. Um, he, he's someone that really taught me JC ball because it, 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 it's, it's different, you know, in regards to, uh, how you deal with players and you got guys coming from 40 miles away trying to drive and, 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 uh, you know, you got these guys that, you know, not necessarily prepared for the four year level. And so we, you know, our job is to, is to be that transition and, and to, to, you know, create good habits and, and, you know, teach these guys how to, how to lift and teach these guys how to practice and, you know, all those kind of things. And so Coach Hadaway really helped me out um, with, with learning that. And Kiyoshi Harris, who's now the head coach at Independence, is another guy that, that uh, kind of admired, you know, what he did with his group. And uh, he was offensive line coach at the time and, you know, kind of picked up some things from him. And, you know, some guys on defense, James Stewart, who's now the D.C. at University of Laverne, is another guy. Um, was a friend of mine and, and uh, just just learning from different people. I think throughout my coaching career, I can't say, you know, hey, I, this one guy taught me everything. I just kind of, you know, kind of learn and, and pick and choose from different guys and see things I like and, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. So I was there for two years. Um, during that same time, I'm working on my teacher credential. So I kind of did it backwards. I, I got my bachelor's and master's and then went back and got my teaching credential yeah um, so, um and then an opportunity came up again uh i in the process of uh, i met my wife during during the time i was at actually right when i was getting ready to interview at chafee i i met my wife amber and and uh you know at, at that you know two years later we're getting ready to get married and so at that time i'm like hey man i need something a little bit stable i was teaching classes there at chafee as, a, as an adjunct which is you know part-time uh, instructor and things like that, but still, you know, not making money to support a family, you know, and, and so um, I got an opportunity to go over to Oak Hills High School, which is in uh, Oak Hills, Hesperia Unified School District over here, and, you know, uh, they call it up the hill, you know, not far from Victorville, on your way to Vegas kind of, kind of thing if, if, if you're leaving from, from the Inland Empire. Um, and so I went there, and uh, I taught psychology and AP psychology, and I was an offensive coordinator um, and was able to win our first CIF championship there in, in, in the district's history. Um, our, our first year, or my first year, I should say. Um, and, and then the next year, um, Coach Kistner, who's currently the head coach there again now, he had to step down. Um, th this is a tough, tough subject here, but Coach Kistner's uh, son passed away uh, from cancer. And, and, uh, obviously family's more important than anything. And, and so he decided to, to step down and, uh, 
they asked me to take over uh, there in 2016. Um, and, and so I, Felt like that was the least I could, you know, least I could do at that point. I, I had no thoughts about being a head coach at that point, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's someone I respect and I respect his family. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was just something that I was supposed to do. Um, and, and so he actually still kind of helped me out a little bit. He was, you know, helping out on defense a little and come kind of came when he can and, and, and everything like that. And, and, and so, we were able to, you know, have a pretty decent year. We went eight and two that year, and we lost in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and and so transitioning into the summer, I had no clue I was going to be getting another head, you know, another phone call from Coach Hathaway uh, back at Chafee. Um, but back in 2017, uh, Coach called me back during the summertime, and and. Uh, you know, just, I had that itch and that bug to get back to coaching college ball and recruit my own guys and, and you know, get back to that. And so I went back uh, really in July, you know, so I, I wasn't really a part of the recruiting process or, or, you know, the development up to camp and kind of just stepped in um, actually because a coach uh, ended up leaving at that time. And so I came in as the quarterback coach, uh, passing game coordinator, and we weren't very good. You know, we we uh, we went two and eight that year, and we struggled, um, you know, a lot, and 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 uh, another growing experience, and another humbling experience, you know, really for me, and and uh, and so you know, there was some transition, and Coach Hadaway, you know, decided to make some changes, and I was promoted uh, in 2018, the offensive coordinator, uh, associate head coach, and and uh, we were able to to have some good success. We, we were able to go 10 and one our first year. We lost our first game, which, you know, at this point I still blame myself um, for, for that loss and it eats me alive because we currently have the, the, the uh, longest winning streak in the state at 21 games. Wow. And if, if we wouldn't have lost that game, uh, <laughs> it'd be 22. So, so I'm, that, that one still eats me up uh, right now. But uh, we were able to have a lot of success. We brought in a new staff, um, new receiver coach, uh, uh, Jason Burrell, who's current still with us, uh, just brought a, some good energy and uh, recruited, you know, really well. And then our offensive line coach is, is a stud as well. Uh, those, those guys both came in. Jose Flores is, is our offensive line coach, and, and he came in and really, really made an impact with the offensive line and the tight end group. And, 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 uh, and, and so that was huge. Uh, for us and and uh, you know we, we kind of changed the culture in, in regards to how our kids practiced you know how, how our kids uh, you know gave effort and, you know what they did in the classroom and the weight room and and things like that and, and so that led to you know, this past year where uh, we were able to go 11 and 0 and, and uh, win the conference and win, win our division and you know lead, lead the state in points per game and you know number three in passing yards and number eight in, in rushing yards. And, and so we were able to do um, a, a lot of good things. And that's, that's where we're at now. Well, coach, I mean, an, an unbelievable, an awesome story. I mean, just to go all, all the different places with different uh, guys you've learned from and, and obviously a lot to unpack from that, but um, just leaving off from where you left off uh, with having such a prolific offense, um, you know, at the junior college level, is that, something that you've got to be uh I'm so interested in, in junior college offenses because to me it seems like they've got to be 
very, and not in a negative way, but they've got to be very simple, but still intricate as far as like, you, you may, you may get a kid two years, but you may only get them one. Uh, yeah. and you don't want it so confusing where it takes two years and now your freak athletes can't, can't, you know, play in the game because it's too confusing or it's too over the top. And so I think that a lot of the really um, cool offenses come from, from uh, a lot of junior colleges because they're finding ways to make it so uh, to, to make it easier or finding ways to bridge the gap and, and be able to get those things off. So uh, is that something that you've, uh, you know, started to mold and develop uh, as you've gone through it and find easier ways to, to make things, you know, click for kids? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you, you might get, get a kid for a semester, you know, and then you might get a kid for three years. There's no telling, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what you have to do. You got to keep things simple. And, you know, I know a lot of people say this is cliche, but we try to make it easy for ourselves and tough on the defense, you know. And uh, we run a ton of zone. And, and I, I'm a true believer in zone. Um, I think it works against every front. Um, I think if there's some line movement, you're, you're, you're still okay there. Um, but what we do is we try to dress it up in a lot of different ways. Um, so if you look, you know, I look back at our stats from last year, we were 75% inside zone. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's by design or, or just, you know, I just, that's, that's usually um, the best call a lot, a lot of the time for us because we, we do see, although we are JC, we do see a lot of, a lot of different fronts and we do see some line movement and we see some different things. So uh, we'll, we'll run regular zone read and, you know, we'll run zone read lock, you know, which is lock the backside in. And those two things is pretty much for the most part, all the offensive line has to know in regards to zone. But, you know, along with that, we'll go split zone, right? But offensive line just knows they're just running zone read, you know, for the most part. We, we, we go uh, what we call zone arc, which means there's a guy on the backside and instead of, him blocking that in, he's going to arc up to to an overhang guy or 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 a safety rolling down or something like that. Um, call zone flow. You know that same guy on the backside is going to go ahead and and uh, flow with the O line or go with the offensive line and 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 uh, you know block that C gap. Um, if we go zone ice, you know that backside guy will uh, offensive line will lock the backside in and then we'll insert on on the wheel backer there. Um, Slice is pretty similar, you know, guys on the front side, but he's doing the same thing he would if he was on uh, the back side. So he's, he, he's, he's just icing from the front side of the play. Uh, we run a rap play where, you know, we got that guy wrapping around, uh, kind of faking the hit, the, the, the uh, split zone block and getting out to the edge. And, and we also run a wham where we're kicking out a one tech or a three tech and all that. But like I said, for the most part, the offensive line's running zone. You know, and we were lucky enough to have um, two pretty dynamic tight ends. We call them super backs um, because these guys. I like that. I like that. We've been trying to find out a a good name to call our uh, tight ends fullbacks because we've always just had tight ends and fullbacks. And we'd like to go to the, you know, just dual training them, but hadn't had a good name. But I like that one. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys are in line, you know, attached. Those guys are in a fullback position or in a wing position, they're motioning all over the place. We'll split them out, you know, just try to try to do our best to try to cause issues for the defense. I know how, you know, if you, if you're in certain personnel grouping, it it really dictates what the defense is going to do. 
you know, kind of being around the defensive guys and learning what they're looking for. Always, you know, I'm in the box with our guys. They're always, what's the personnel? What's, you know, and they get pissed off if they don't know what the personnel is and, and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of, you know, kind of, you know, learned that, hey, if we can, you know, get, keep these same guys on the field and being spread and then, you know, being double tight and then being 11 and wing position and fullback positions and 21 looks, you know, it really, really caused issues for the defense. Um, so, yeah, we like the RPO pretty much everything. Um, we we want to make the defense pay for uh, what they do immediately as opposed to, you know, we don't, we don't want to be, ah, oh, they, they got us. We don't, we don't want to ever say they got us on that one, you know. Um, and so we give the quarterback the keys, you know. We, we call it structured freedom, you know, where we're, we're going to allow him to check in and out of things. Uh, and, you know, he makes a lot of decisions. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we talk about it. And, you know, when I say structured freedom, you know, we're going to go into a game plan and the quarterback will know, hey, we can, we can check this to a different quick game if we have this and they come out in a different, different shell or, um, you know, we can change this or change that. Um, you know, if, if we don't have enough to block in the box, we, you know, we check out of the run and, and, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, get, get into a protection in, in our, our best quick game for that week or our best couple of quick games for that week or our man beater, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, along with, you know, running a ton of zone, we're going to have a lot of attachments to the zone on the perimeter. Coach, with, with those RPOs, and, and I don't want you to give away all your secrets or, or by any means tell us all about the intricacies of each, but um, with just kind of knowing a little bit about the NFA and, and reading space and different things, uh, and I'm sure you do RPOs a, a lot of different ways, but um, are, are you generally more uh, reading space with your RPOs or, or are you guys keying normally off of a, a few different guys? No, we're, we're going we're gonna to key off of, uh, off of guys. You know, we teach our guys – and, you know, Dub has had a huge influence on me. Um, I was able to uh, – and I had to talk about this, but I was able to be around Dub a lot with, with his development of the R4. And so just the understanding of space and, and using the halo um, to really identify uh, parameters, but at the same time using our count system and being able to count the box and knowing who the extra hat is um, – and we, we read that guy, you know, obviously, you know, zone read, you're reading the end. If you lock it, you, you know, you, you're going to have to read that, that guy you're not blocking anymore. And, and as you start to add tight ends, you know, now you got the whole, the box blocked up. So who's the next guy? Um, you know, usually some type of overhang or safety if it's too high or something like that. So it's not, it's really not rocket science really at all. It's just kind of quarterbacks understanding how to count the box and understanding where their eyes should go. Um, front side or back side, depending on how we call it, um, you know. But along with that, if if his eyes are supposed to go back side, he's still doing his pre-snap checks to identify what's going on on the front side and make them pay in case they're, you know, adding a guy there as well. So we do have, you know, the pre-snap attachments a lot of times, either on the front side or back side, um, which you can make a decision pre-snap to, to go there if you want, if you're the quarterback, um, or if you decide, hey, that pre-snap's good, they got enough over there, um, then, you know, he'll just get his eye on his read. So it's typically a man that, that we're going to read. Coach, when you talk about that, <clears throat> that structured freedom, um, do you, is that something where you guys kind of start out, you know, baby steps, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just feeding him, spoon feeding him a little bit. And then after a while now, okay, man, here's, here's the keys to the convertible. 
and and you get to roll or are you one of those guys that's like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna let her rip and uh, and kind of see what kind of decision maker he is and I'm just gonna keep kind of coaching him on the side because I've seen both ways work you know you know the one way keep keep the kid maybe you know a little bit confident or hey man I'm gonna give you that confidence and let you know that hey I want you to go make plays when you do make mistakes in practice we'll get those fixed uh, what's kind of your philosophy on that yeah, so, I mean, yeah, initially, if we, you know, if we start off spring ball, you know, um, we're going to be, we're going to be very base and very simple. We're going to teach them the rules in regards to the run game, and, and they're going to know what they're supposed to do. But we're not going to just say, hey, we're just going to go out there and throw all the RPOs at them and just go at it. By the time we get to camp in August, most of our guys usually are pretty good with knowing what to do. So it, mm-hmm. it is a process. We don't give them the keys initially, but it, it's going to take time for them to kind of learn, you know, what's going on. But we, we want to recruit a guy that is, is, is cerebral. You know, we, we want to bring in a – we don't, we don't want to bring in a guy that is just an athlete and, and you know, is not necessarily locked in uh, to learning defense. And, you know, the same way, you know, Dub talks about – you know, our guys are going to learn everything. They're not just going to learn their positions. You know, that's the same, you know, approach that we have where our guys know all the fronts. They know all the blitzes. They know all the coverages. And, and so um, we, we want to gradually make them familiar and make them comfortable. They don't even want the keys right away, honestly. You know, they, they're like, no, coach, I don't, you know, let's, let's, <laughs> let's go slow with this. And, and so, um, yeah, we, we it, it's a slow progression, but once we get into camp, it's 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 go time. Now, are you guys is is everything you're doing too RPO wise? I mean, do you guys run the QB with your RPO, or is it all something where it's like you know we're we're handing off the inside zone? I mean, I know you you rattled off you know nine different ways you guys run the inside zone, and and to me that's why I think inside zone is key or is king, I should say, just simply because of all the different ways you can run it. Um, do, are you guys only kind of you know? triple option style where you know you're either handing it off or I'm throwing it or do you guys do some stuff too where you uh you will run the QB a little bit no we'll we'll run the QB I mean I think it depends on who the QB is you know um our our guy that we had this past year was um not necessarily a dynamic runner he can run when necessary um but a lot of the times at the JUCO level you don't have a whole lot of guys right so you know we we had three quarterbacks and you know, one of them was really, really new to what was going on. And, and so, you know, you, you, you don't want to necessarily put that guy in, in harm's way a ton. Um, but, you know, when necessary, um, we will, you know, do some, do some power read stuff. We, you know, run a little bit of power read. Um, you know, we will we'll run, we run outside zone and, you know, we'll run what we call low, you know, which is reading the backside de-tackle. And, you know, we'll run a little bit of that. And on, on you know, our zone rap play, the quarterback, um, usually keeps that because we're calling it because that backside end is squeezing the heck out of our, out of our split zone. And mm-hmm. so he's like, Hey, let's go wrapping. And then he'll, you know, he'll fake split zone and get out to the edge and the quarterback has to keep that and things like that. So we, we don't, you know, we don't want to hang our hats on quarterback run, but we'll, we'll, we'll do enough. Coach, you talked a lot about, uh, you know, just all the different coaches that you got to learn from and, and soak up information from and, and kind of asking as, uh, a younger coach, and I, and I hear the same question from a lot of younger coaches, I think, as well. But, uh, you know, you've talked about all these coaches you've learned from, and it's, and it's awesome. Did you go 
into it trying to or hoping to learn something specific or wanting to get something out of it from these coaches you were around? Or is it just you were up there so much that, that it was like almost through osmosis, kind of like when you catch something in film because you just watch it all the time, not necessarily looking for something sometimes and that'll click. Uh, where, where were you in that process of, um, you know, intentionally learning or just learning because you're there uh, more often than not with, with the guys that you learned from and the coaches that you got things from? Yeah, I mean, back then, you know, honestly, I was just soaking things up and, you know, keeping my mouth shut a lot and just listening to other people. Um, as I've grown and learned and, you know, now I'm having conversations with D1 guys or NFL guys and things like that, and uh, you don't want to waste their time. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit more intentional and, like, maybe have some things written down, ready to go. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guys that I plan on talking to at the convention that I kind of set up uh, prior, you know, uh, meetings with and, you know, try to steal some time with those guys, and I'm going to have some stuff written down, ready to go. But initially, it was, you know, just, hey, I'm just soaking it up. I didn't know anything, and I still don't know anything. But um, you just, you know, you just try to try to learn from the guys that are around you, good and bad. You know, there's as, – as much as I've learned um, a lot of good things, I've also learned some bad things from, from some people I've been around. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of the way it was early. Sure, yeah. So, so what, what kind of advice would you give – uh, so is that the advice you would give maybe a younger coach that's that you know he wants to go conquer the world and he wants to be a offensive coordinator by the age of of so and so and wants to be a head coach by this age so and so and he's like how do I just learn everything there's, there's so much I don't even know what I don't know uh, it what's your what's your tip to him uh, on learning everything he can before he gets to the point where you're at now where you can ask real specific questions with really specific guys yeah. I I think like seek out opportunities to learn and don't just fall into them. You know, I think early on I just fell into, you know, just lucky to be around Dub Maddox or lucky to be around JC Boyce or, or, you know, these guys or that guys because of someone I met, um, you know, along with that, go to practices. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I make a point, every year is to go about about five or six practices at UCLA or USC or San Diego State or you know somewhere close to you where not only are you getting things from other people but you're gathering your own thoughts based on watching programs operate you know and and so yeah I mean be intentional definitely um which I wasn't as a young person be intentional when you do when you know you're going to get an opportunity to talk with someone ahead of time, you know, be intentional and write down some things that you want to know. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to, you got to go seek information as well, along with, you know, talking with all those guys and learning from those guys, I'm, you know, with technology nowadays, I'm, I'm on YouTube. I'm on, you know, I'm, I, I purchased a bunch of those systems coming up as a coach when, you know, Mazzoni came up with his stuff and, you know, the whole wing T stuff. Like I, I purchased all those things just to learn them and, you know, you, you know, use my own resources when I didn't have much um, just, just to, to try to extend myself. Yeah. I mean, invest in yourself, like you said, uh, what, so when you're going into a game plan and you're, you're game planning for a new team and it's, it's Sunday or Monday 
um, you know, and you guys come into game plan. What, what are you – what's kind of your very first go-to thing? What are you going to? I'm sure you, you, you know, everyone puts – you got people or you put in um, all the data and everything. But then, okay, I'm going to go – we're on our way to go attack this defense. What's the kind of the first thing you start looking at? Is it run game? Is it pass game? Is it formations? Is it certain plays you're looking for? I mean, where's your, your kind of your first go-to and your first thing that you're working towards uh, on a game plan day? Yeah, so um, we're we're gonna start off like you said with with tagging all the data, and that can happen, you know, as early as you know Wednesday or so at the next uh, previous week, and you know now we get we get game film pretty early, and so um, we we start tagging, and uh, you know we're tagging fronts, coverages, formations, blitzes, motions, uh, you know, along along with that we'll tag what's called a run accelerator or pass accelerator. And that this comes from Dub, and and basically what that is: Are you in zone or man or combo coverage and pass? Are you in, uh, or if it's run, is it a vertical run or horizontal run? And that would allow us to do some things later on in the game plan planning process that is uh, just just allows us to filter filter certain things faster. Um, so you know, after our, our data's input and everything like that. Uh, we've graded the film already at this point from the previous game as well, and uh, and so you know at at this point we go in and I'll I'll filter out first and second down looks, and uh, you know I'll, I'll I'll watch a bunch of those, um, you know and and we start to we start to draw we start to illustrate things right so I'm I'm illustrating um, their primary looks you know we we got all the data at this point we use um, huddle assist to uh to get all the data and so we have first and second down looks um and you know we do our reports like like everyone else and and we start to draw up and at that point decide what is our best strong side run play weak side run play out of this formation what's our best quick game um what's our best five step and and in regards to pass i know we didn't talk about pass but i think that's where dub has influenced me the most is is uh you know, just the, the whole R4 and the quarterback understanding uh, his drop, matching up with the quarterback's routes and designing concepts that, uh, that you know, align with that and, and things like that. And, and so, um, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what our best plays are in that formation. Um, before that, we, we, you know, we also do uh, some of the grading. And, and uh, when I say grading, we're grading the defensive players and, and trying to get an idea of where they are uh, athletically and who are the guys that we need to be concerned with um, and things like that. And so going into that next decision, right, this is our best first and second down plays going into, you know, after that um, it's okay. What are they going to do to stop this? We know that this is our best play, but what's their, uh, you know, what we call accelerator or what dub calls accelerator what what is their um, best way to stop this play? Is it a, is it a person? Um, is it uh, a different front? Is it bringing pressure or whatever the case may be? And so um, we we make our our secondary decisions. So you can I guess you can say, hey, this is our this is our play that we really like. This is what we think they're going to do to stop it. And then we come up with um, you know a, a secondary play um, off of that. Um, and I think the key in kind of all that we do and what we believe in is that everything is based off of our, 
our base offense. That we, we don't want to just throw in plays and throw in things that just because it looks good, even if it is something that will hurt the defense, if it's not aligned with what we do or not aligned or uh, give some type of, uh, you know, indication or uh, off, of, off of our base plays, then we're not going to necessarily run it. So uh, we're looking at that. And then after that, we're looking at what, what are they going to do when they get in trouble? You know, if, if we're gashing them or they're having a hard time, and, and most of the time for defenses, they just want to bring pressure, you know. Um, so we have our pressure looks after that. And, you know, we start to go into our, our gadget plays or, you know, wrinkles, you know, all those things I've talked about with, with all the zone stuff. We have wrinkles off of all of them. And so we start, to, we start to get into those things as well. Um, and we do that for every formation. So, um, you know, e each formation we go through, uh, as we're doing that, we're also deciding, and I'm communicating with my offensive line coach, who is truly the run game coordinator. And, and you know, I allow him to run the show. And, and he comes to me and he says, hey, we need to run this out of this in this formation. And, I, and I'm good with it. You know, I'm, I'm a believer that, if you do not empower your guys, especially when they're uh, then when they work as hard as he does, and 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 guys, you know, work their butts off, and 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 they obviously he played offensive line, he's coached offensive line, he knows more about it than I do, you know. And so, um, you know, I really lean on him. Whatever we do um, in regards to run, we can build the pass, you know, off of. We we can run every pass concept out of every formation, and so I don't get too worried about. Hey, we, I want to be in this formation because if it helps us, if it helps us in the run game, then it's going to help us in the pass game. So, so that's kind of that's kind of our initial approach and kind of how we how we go about the game planning process. And like I said, we do it for every formation. We're deciding which formations are best as we go through that. And and uh, you know, as the, as week goes on, uh, we're doing the same thing. But we're looking at red zone, tight zone, goal line, backed up. You know, all our third down stuff. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, that's, that's for the most part in a nutshell, the process. Coach, how many formations do you guys break down when you're, when you're game planning? We break down every formation that we have, which is pretty much everything. And, and that's another good thing with huddle assist. They, they do all that for us. You know, we, you know, if you, if you go in and you, you input your formations, um, you know, they, they, when I say input, uh, there's a there's yeah. a place for you to, to and you guys probably already know this, but there's a place for you to go in and and tell them what your formations are, so that when they do tag it, they know what you call it and things like that. So we we do that, um, and we'll pretty much every formation that that we have will break down. Doesn't mean we're going to run every formation that week, but we're just going to break it down to determine if we should run it or not. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about your boys, uh, Kenny Jackson and, and DJ, because, uh, I mean, obviously I, I coached with Dub at Jenks, so know him well, and then got to know those guys a little bit through the, the Wide Receiver Academy. Um, first of all, two awesome guys, and had an absolute blast with those guys on the road. I think a, a couple of times when we were in Vegas, you know, I might have came in a little bit late, and, and DJ always made it when I was rooming with him. DJ always made it certain yeah. that he was going to wake up about eight o'clock in the morning and he was going to be on the phone making sure that hey you shouldn't have stayed out so late well i'm gonna wake your ass up but uh <laughs> he he was awesome man i i learned a, a lot of stuff and and honestly you know coaching receivers now i still use a lot of his 
his techniques and some of his terminology as well. Would you talk a little bit about those two guys and kind of how, you know, it sounds like they were, they might've been kind of the first guys to really, you know, take you on that deep dive into the the passing game and, and how it all kind of works. Yeah. Well, I mean, those two guys are technicians in regards to coaching wideouts and, you know, our head coach, Coach Padaway, always says you got to start somewhere. You know, you think you're just going to come in and know everything and learn everything. You, you can't do that. So those guys really helped me become a better receiver coach. And so, what you know, those guys have a common language. It's kind of, you know, some of the same things you hear from Darren Slack and J.C. Boyce and all these guys, having a common language and mm-hmm. distinguishing what's important to the wide opposition, right, when you talk about – you know, your exit, you know, they had the E4 the same way Dub had the R4, right? So it's, it's, it's exit, you know, which is, which is your, your stance and starts, right? It's, it's engage, which is your blocking. It's explode, which is determining all the different type of, type of, uh, uh, of, uh, of route running. And then it's extending, which is, you know, your, your, your hand placement and catching the ball and, and the details and technique of that. So um, I had no clue up to that point how to put that all together in a common language that my receivers understood. I would say all kind of different words and different things. And it was, you know, now that I look back, very confusing for those guys sometimes. And, and, you know, not only that, but the energy that those guys bring. And I spent more time with Kenny than I, than I did DJ. And you know, I, I can remember now I was working at camp and DJ just popped up and, you know, I'm by this point, I'm running my own receiver camps and all that stuff. And, and DJ comes in and, you know, after I'm done, he, he starts critiquing me and like, hey, man, you, you can't you got to do it like this or you got to say this and and uh, things like that. So, I mean, those guys held me accountable at the same time. And, you know, I, I think you know, I was able to also kind of, you know, do the same thing with with, with Kenny a little bit in, in different areas in regards to you know, just learning passing game and the entire offense as a whole and things like that. But um, when I first started out as a receiver coach, those two guys were, were definitely influences for me uh, just, just to become a better coach. Coach, uh, I've got a kind of a question, and, and I think it's for a lot of coaches out there that, that are thinking about taking that GA job. And, and you know, um, it's probably the biggest part of it is uh, you went back and, and you took the time and went through the 24 hour or 24 uh, you know schedule hours and in one semester and and went through and and got your master's now looking back on it is that something that uh, has been worth it is that something that you would stress to younger guys hey go get your master's it, it will help you or, or do you think that maybe it didn't help as, as much as you uh, would have wished it had no there, there's no doubt in my mind that um, getting your master's is extremely important. Um, you don't know what your, where your career is going to go. You know, everyone say, I'm going to be a four-year guy. I'm going to go D1. I'm going to coach in the league. But you never know when that JUCO job comes up that, you know, if you have a master's, you'll have an opportunity to teach classes and make some decent money doing it and things like that. If you don't, you won't have that opportunity. So, um, although you have, you know, the, the, the want to and the ambition to be a four-year guy and all that stuff, I would always suggest for guys to, to if they have the ability to uh, get your master's degree um, because it just opens up more opportunities. Even if you are someone 
that is going after a four-year job and you're up against someone without a master's um, and you guys are pretty much head-to-head in regards to everything else, you'll, you'll probably get the job, you know. So um, I always suggest for, for individuals, because people told me, you know, like I said, Coach Hathaway uh, told me and other people that I've, I've been around uh, helped me out and told me. And so I try to do the same thing to guys that I'm around or maybe a younger coach that's, uh, that's coming up to definitely, you know, make, make sure they get that done. Coach, what was the, what was the best graduate class you took? Best graduate class. You know what? It was physical education and law and that I had no clue about anything to do with law or, uh, or anything like that. So that one, was a good one for me because it just opened me up to uh, just learning that you are accountable for a lot. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, whoever you're responsible for, whoever you're around, if you're negligent in any kind of way, you're held accountable for it, you know? And so things like that um, from that class, um, you know, kind of taught me a lot. And coach, like you said, at the JUCO level, you guys are, are nonstop because you can kind of recruit um, almost – all the time. Um, and, and what I found interesting from your story is, you know, like you said, you had a basketball in your hand until you were a, a, you know, freshman, sophomore, and then you started playing football. And then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe had a lot of talent, but it was late, but you're a short basketball player, but you're a pretty good sized football player. Um, yeah. Are those guys that, that you guys go out and look at it all and, and try to find diamonds in the rough and, and kind of go and, and find some of those, you know, six foot five eleven point guards that are that are good athletes in high school but um maybe didn't just didn't go out for football didn't know about it and then the the six five centers in high school which are are big for a high school center but they'll never go uh you know play college basketball anywhere do you you guys spend any time looking at those guys or or maybe maybe not just if they're just basketball but if they only went one year in football but are really good basketball players um do you spend much time doing any of that Absolutely. We, we, we do look for diamonds in the rough. I mean, we look for athleticism. You know, if you're someone in regards to, you know, all positions, uh, if you're someone that is an athlete, um, we're, we're looking at you. And it doesn't matter how many years you played football, doesn't matter, you know, who taught you or what you know, or, you know, how, how much of a, a, you know, football background or knowledge you have. Uh, we, we're, we're about development. And, and uh, I think that's one of the, the strong points about Chafee College is our entire staff is bought into developing their players. And we, we want to, you know, have a gray shirt system where, you know, and I don't know if many people know what gray shirting is, but you're basically um, sitting out a year. You have to stay under 12 units, but you can practice and, you know, you can, you can do everything else with the team, but you just can't play. And developing players like that, there's a lot of schools in this area that, that do that. And so if we have a guy that has, you know, maybe some good size and athleticism and, you know, can't play football yet or, you know, not a, not a great player yet, we're going to do our best to, you know, if he's ready to play and his grades are, you know, he's, he's a decent student coming out of high school, then we'll put him on the field. But, you know, if there's a guy that, you know, is not, not necessarily ready but could be a really good player down the line, then we'll, we'll try to gray shirt him. And, you know, he'll be in all our meetings and he'll be all at practice. He'll get the coaching, but he won't necessarily uh, play. And, you know, we have some guys that have bought into that and it's paid off for him. 
I think that's an awesome thing to hear is, is a college coach talk about, you know, developing their players. And I'm sure uh, a lot of coaches do around the country, but um, as big as recruiting is, and it still is big even with development, but as big as that is, there's, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of college coaches around, and I'm sure it's a minority, but that um, they're, if they're not having a good season, it's because, man, I just didn't have, didn't have good enough players this year or, you know, we didn't recruit. We didn't get that one recruit or whatever. And it's really refreshing and really, really nice to hear someone say, you know, we're all about, yes, we want to recruit the best we can, but we want to develop our players. Absolutely. I, I, I actually hate that. I, I hate when, when, when guys say, uh, we didn't have the players this year or we didn't, we didn't do this. And, you know, it's, it, I, I'm just, I'm a believer. It's our job as coaches to develop what we have. If you're a high school coach and you got what you got, then, you know, most, most places you're, you're going to be comparable to the teams you play against, you know, um, everyone has up years and down years in regards to that. But, um, you know, I, I just, I just hate to hear our, our kids weren't good or, you know, our kids weren't smart enough or this and that. I just, just believe you got to, you know, do your best to find a way, you know, find a way to get those guys better, uh, find a way to increase their football knowledge and teach them how to practice and, and all those things. And I think if you create that culture, then um, you can sustain long-term success year after year, even, you know, if, if it fluctuates in regards to, you know, the talent you have, you know. I, I agree too. And I, I even think in, in high school, I mean, <clears throat> I, th I think you have to do some things to, to make your program attractive. Yes. You know, let, let's, let's be honest, you know, football is not the easiest sport to, to do, but I mean, being able to, to sell that to your kids and, and getting all your best athletes out, you know, that's my, my other pet peeve when you, when you were talking about yours, coach was talking about the, the guys that say, man, man, I can't believe all the, all the kids that are, are walking our halls and aren't playing football. And I, and I sit there and I think, well, why aren't they playing football? You know, yeah. what, what, what are, what are we doing with our program or what are you doing with your program to, to try to attract those things? And I think, you know, you guys have something going on at, at Chafee that's, that's attractive for people. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's when we first got here, it was like pulling teeth to get kids to even meet with you, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and now we're getting hit up on Twitter and, you know, things are, things are going in the right direction. And, and uh, in order to continue it, we, we have to stay the course, you know, we have to keep doing what we've been doing and keep, keep coaching and not get comfortable and, and, you know, keep developing and, you know, teaching these guys that, you know, it's more about football. It's, it's uh, not so much about football. It's about developing yourself, you know, as a person. And, you know, just I think kids gravitate towards that when they know you care about them more than just, hey, you're just a football player. And, you know, after, after your season's over, I'm not going to talk to you anymore or whatever. You know, we're, we're, we're more of a family atmosphere in, in regards to, to Juco ball. And it's, it's uh, a little less of a business with us and more of, you know, relationships and, and uh, just kids enjoying their time with us. Yeah, that's the way it should be, man. I mean, heck, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old, quote, kids, you know, and it, and it should be fun at the end of the day. And, and not only that, it should be fun for us to coach. I mean, that's the whole reason why I got into it. I mean, I love the game. I love being around the people. But, I mean, it, it should be fun at yeah. the end of the day. And it, and, it, and it sure seems like you guys make football fun. I mean, heck, 51 points a game, 500 yards a game. Yeah, you guys Sounds are only fun. giving up. You guys are only giving up twelve a game. I mean, yeah, I, I want to go play in that. I want to. I want to coach in that system. And it sounds like, I mean, listening to you talk about it, you know, and, and the guys that you have around us, there's just 
that that whole word kind of just permeates throughout this entire interview we've done. It, it seems like you're just having a lot of fun. Yeah, we are. And we have a great staff. And you talk about 12 points a game. That's Coach Coach Davis Slover, who, who's our defensive coordinator. And, you know, he's he, he loves to have fun. And our offensive line coach and, you know, our, our everyone, you know, we, we enjoy each other's time. And we got a young staff. You know, we, we got a lot of guys that are 30 – you know, and, and, and a little bit under, you know, but um, they work their butts off and they, and they love to have fun. And, and so we definitely have uh, an enjoyable atmosphere, I would say. Well, Coach, running up here on an hour, um, but the, the last thing I always like to ask guys is, is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's something they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, so, I mean, if you, if you see everyone working in unison, Usually, when you talk about zone plays, and because I'm, you know, I'm thinking zone, right? That's something that stands out. You know, another thing is first step. You know, if you see guys leaning, and, and it, of course, you're you're gonna, this is gonna happen. No matter how good of a coach you are, there's gonna be a guy that doesn't take his first step at some point, or doesn't doesn't do do things right. But if if you see that first step, uh, you know, you you understand the run game, and that first step looks like it's supposed to look like. And, you know, you, you, you got guys that, that know where their eyes are supposed to be. And, you know, you don't, you don't have guys that are, that are allowing backers to fly by them when they're supposed to be up on them at the second level. And, and uh, like I said, guys working in unison, you know, so first step, working in unison, and then finishing, those things to me are, are most important. You know, you, you want, you know, guys that are, that, are, that are what we call dogs. You know, they, they just – they get after it and, and – you know, they, they just love contact and love physicality, but at the same time, they're technicians. And I think offensive line is a very difficult position to coach, and I think that it takes a, a, a special kind of guy to uh, develop that kind of group. So, um, yeah, if, if you guys got guys working together in unison, they, look, they all look the same, and then you got guys taking their correct first step, and then you have guys finishing – I think you're, you're, you're at least on, on the right track, track right there. Coach, man, it's been a blast. I love hearing all the, uh, the stories you have from back in the day with NFA and, and hearing what you guys are doing out there, man. appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing some knowledge. I got, a, I got an entire, uh, entire page of notes here that I'll have to be able to, uh, to wrap back through, man. Appreciate all the, uh, the knowledge you dropped. Absolutely. And I just want to say I appreciate I listen to you guys. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to you guys and, and, uh, you know, just what you guys do, um, you know, I talk about all these people that, that I've learned from. I've learned from you guys as well because I listen to your podcast and listen to people that are on your podcast talk and everything else. And, and uh, it's, it's really awesome. Um, and I think more coaches should definitely, uh, when they have opportunities, you know, driving home or whatever, you know, get, get into these podcasts, man. They, they can definitely uh, help you out as a coach and, and uh, make you better. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. 
Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.